Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. John Council. That's my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. John, you're in charge. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're on the air. We are on the air. Can you actually hear me? I hope you can hear me. One, two, three, one, two, three. Can you hear me? Because I can't hear myself in my headphones, but uh, it seems like I'm coming through over the air, and it seems like I'm getting some VUs. I can barely hear myself on the headphones, but I, uh, we are on the air. I mean, uh, this is the first time we've been able to start on time in I don't know how long. It's just been crazy. I mean, I'm not Mr. Technical Guy. The fact, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, we're actually pulling this off uh, Sunday night after Sunday night. And I guess the secret's out of the bag, okay? Because Nick uh, Vandergrack does his uh, show, Nick at Night, the same time as I do. And uh, we've been having some goofy things happen with uh, the software and everything. And I, I can't believe it. We got on and I got, yeah, shut up, John. Get on with the show. Yeah, I understand that, okay? And that's what we're going to do. Welcome to Late Night Council. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. It is open line, open topic all the way till eleven o'clock. Whatever you want to talk about, it's ask the pastor format. Happy Thanksgiving! Yes, it's Thanksgiving, so you know I'm not going to ignore that. But uh, we're not just going to talk about Thanksgiving. I mean, like uh, whatever's on your mind. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. If you're calling anywhere across North America. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. You can email me. Keep it under six lines. JC at late night That's JC at late night Wherever you may be emailing from, it's it's free. You know you know how the internet works by now. It's a funny video. Look it up on YouTube. I think it's dated 1993 or 94, and Bryant Gumbel is on the Today Show, and he's asking something. So tell me what this Internet is. What, what is it all about? You know? And Oh, it's funny. Look it up. Bryant Gumbel, what is the Internet on YouTube? But not right now. You're listening to the show, okay? So you got the phone numbers. you got the email. You can tweet at me. JW Council is the Twitter exchange, okay? Now, I've been told, if somebody wants to fill me in on this, I hear that you could now do 280 characters on Twitter. They've doubled it from 140 characters. You could now do 280 characters on Twitter. I haven't tried it yet. Well, I haven't really noticed. I have put a few tweets out since I heard that. But uh, do you need a special license for that, or do you have to get special software? And I have been noticing some tweets that I'm getting are more than 140 characters now. If anybody can figure that out for me and let me know, I'd like to know about that. Okay. Uh, Whatever else is on your mind, because it's Ask the Pastor format, okay, whatever you bring to the program, I'm going to give you, you know, the, uh, the biblical perspective on things. Hopefully, you know, the, the, uh, the faith perspective. 
You're going to hear a lot of information tonight that you don't hear on on, uh, regular news outlets because they're all about making money and profit, and uh, they have an agenda. I have an agenda, too, okay? You know I have an agenda. I want people to know the truth. I want people to know that, you know, the God that you might have heard about when you were, you know, uh, uh, darkened the door of a church when you were a kid is probably not the same God that you heard about before, okay? It's a, it's, but he's very real. He's very alive. And the Bible really is hot stuff. It's nothing like you perceive it to be. And the more you get to know about God, the more you get to know about the Bible, you're going to find, hey, you know, this Jesus character, he's very different from what they told me about in church, when you find out about the Jesus of the Bible, when you find out that, you know, when a guy dies and, and, and then rises from the dead and then doesn't die again, it kind of changes everything as far as, you know, uh, the, the seriousness of what he talked about and who he was and what he's all about. And his followers today who claim, and this is spooky, this is kind of weird, but followers of Christ claim that he actually lives in them, that they talk to him, and he talks to them as well. Now, in my experience, he doesn't talk to me, you know, uh, in, a, in an audible voice. But nevertheless, um, the way he communicates, he doesn't have to use an audible voice because his presence can be so real. If you want to go down that road and talk about what that's all about today, that's fine. I know it sounds very subjective, uh, but whatever's on your mind. It's open line, open topic. It's ask the pastor. That's the format. The show is called Late Night Council because my name is Council, and that's what the show's been for a good almost 20 years now, okay? And we're online. And because we're online, you know, there's, it's very freewheeling. We don't have a lot of commercials. The ones that we do have, we're very thankful for because they help us out with the broadcast, okay? But I do take a breather every once in a while, okay? Because you can't keep going for two hours nonstop without, you know, catching your breath. And uh, uh, we have some pretty relevant tunes that I like to play. And tonight being Thanksgiving, there's a bit of a thank you theme going. Uh, so whatever's on your mind, 343-700-4390. That's 343 It's Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. Those of you listening in the States are scratching your heads off. Thanksgiving, man, that's not for another month. Wow, like uh, I still got lots of shopping days. Well, you know, no, it's something we do a little different up here because, you know, our harvest season is shorter. It's colder up here, so the harvest comes in traditionally and and about a month earlier than uh, the States. So that's why we've got, you know, the Canadian Thanksgiving the way we have it, okay? Now, here's something, and I've mentioned this before in other Thanksgiving programs. Everybody's into thankfulness at Thanksgiving. It's the spirit of Thanksgiving. And I've always sat back and scratched my head. Who are you thanking? You know? It's one thing to be thankful, but if you're going to be thankful, who are you thankful to? It's one thing to be thankful for something. But if you're thankful for something, usually the thing that you're thankful for is the result of somebody. And I don't mean to be hard, but I'm going to throw up this question at the beginning because I can't ignore it at, you know, because it's Thanksgiving Day. Isn't thankfulness pretty meaningless if no one is the object of the thankfulness? If thankfulness is just a general feeling, I don't know, that seems kind of shallow, doesn't it? That seems kind of empty. If, if no one is the object of your thankfulness. Now, people follow Christ, you know, because there are so many profound verses in the Bible that, you know, that uh, strongly, strongly put out the, you know, the teaching, the thought, the truth, I believe, that, you know, God is the source of all good things. And so Christians have no problem being thankful because usually their thankfulness is directed to God. 
we have scriptures like give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, you know, and enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. I mean, thankfulness is pushed like crazy because God wants to have a relationship with us. Well, is he insecure? He has to hear the word thank you all the time. No, he's doing quite fine before I got along. I came around or you came along. So what's this thing with praise and thankfulness? Well, when you are thankful to God, if you can understand what worship means, you, you start getting into the realm of, of you, you start realizing how big he is, how powerful he is. He's the source of everything. And more of his nature and his greatness is revealed if you, can, if you get, around, get your head around and never get to the place where there's real worship happening in your life. That Boy, we could go two hours on that if you want. But whatever you're into tonight, that's uh, what we could talk about. Again, I rarely have, uh, you know, enough uh, time to get to everything I want to get to. You know, it's actually a, a lot more stuff is getting out. You know, good information is getting out through Late Night Council since we went online, okay? I get a lot less calls, and, and I'm, able to, I'm able to put out way more stuff. And look, I don't mind calls. Calls is my own personal preference. I, I would, if I had my way, the whole thing would be flooded with calls. But the good side is, the good side is, if you're bringing stuff to the program, you know, you're not, you're, I mean, I appreciate your opinion, but you haven't been doing this. You haven't been studying this. You haven't been doing the research for, you know, years and years and years. And you're probably not as well backed in information, particularly when it comes to spiritual stuff, as I am. So I get a lot more chance to get good, good stuff out there. Now, I'll try and put out good stuff, you know, in answering to your questions when you uh, call in or if you want to, you know, use this as a platform and just uh, promote to the hilt whatever is uh, burning in your bosom, that's fine. But the upside of less calls is, you know, I get to have more fun. I get to be more, more in control. I'm not a control freak. No, I'm not, you know. But I'll admit, it's kind of fun, you know, being the king of the castle here somewhat, okay. Although, you know, wouldn't mind help with the technical stuff because sometimes I want to pull my hair up. But as long as I'm doing that off air, that's okay. As long as you can hear me, you know, as long as we get on the air. And we're on the air tonight, and I'm thankful for that. 343-700-4390, whatever's on your mind tonight. 343-700-4390. You know, I'm fascinated with what goes on in the States. I don't do a lot of political stuff since, you know, we we switched to online only, and I only do the Ask the Pastor format. But you can't ignore it because uh, uh, more and more followers of Christ, Christians, now, you know, the religious types that just kind of go through the motions and show up to church at Christmas and Easter every once in a while, you're no threat to, you know, the establishment. They're going to let you continue. But people that are really serious about following Christ, we're, we're increasingly becoming a target in, uh, uh, in the, the secular world. And I'm looking at an article in yesterday's Ottawa Sun, and it's talking about... Uh, uh, um, Sessions, what's the guy's first name here? I think he's the Attorney General. Yeah, he's the Attorney General in the States. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Now, depending on the report you get about this story, it's going to be very, oh, this guy's the devil himself. You don't want to have anything to do with him, and all the United States is falling apart. That's typical, you know, uh, secular media. I'm going to give you a media from some different sources tonight to get a little bit of a different angle on it. But uh, this story that, uh, uh, and I think this is incredible. Okay? And Canadians, I mean, you can criticize you want, uh, Trump all you want, but if you're a follower of Christ, you know the type of persecution and you know the type of infringement that is uh, taking place on people that you know, want to live out their faith in the secular arena. I mean, if you do not support what we believe to be sexual perversion, if you say anything against it, you can lose your job. 
you can be sued. You can be hauled before a human rights court, okay? Simply because, and your only crime is you do not agree that it's normal. You do not agree that it's acceptable. You, you believe that, no, we believe that's a sin, okay? You voice that type of opinion more, much more in Canada than the United States. You know, you, you, could end up, you could end up going to jail, and there have been people that have served jail time, okay? Well, there's been a, a pretty powerful pushback against that. And the reason being, you know, legitimate freedom of religion and freedom of speech has been grossly infringed upon. So the attorney general in the states and the new government that's down there, they're wanting to re-enshrine and guarantee people's freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, and freedom of speech. And depending on the media source of what's been happening this week, I mean, the government is either, you know, the most bigoted, racist, and we just got to throw this bum out, or... Well, you're going to hear another side tonight. I'm just going to give you the Ottawa Sun's report here. The headline read on, uh, in the Ottawa Sun yesterday, Sessions, that's Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions targets LGBT rights. Oh, we don't like that, do we? We don't like anybody attacking somebody's rights. Well, that's not even what the story's about, but that's their take on it, okay? Listen to this insidious, and I will call this insidious evil speak here, okay? In, order that, uh, in an order that undercuts protections for LGBT people, see how they present it? This is a threat to LGBT people. This is a threat to people's rights, okay? That's how they're painting this, okay? In an order that undercuts protection for LGBT people, Attorney General Jeff Sessions issued a sweeping directive to agencies Friday to do as much as possible to accommodate those who claim their religious freedoms are being violated. So this is about protecting people whose religious convictions are being violated. But the media... The media promotes it, and the media presents it as if he's attacking somebody's rights. So immediately, if it's attacking somebody's rights, oh, who would want to do that? Only hateful bigots would want to do that. But the real story is that Christians have been thrown in prison. Christians have lost their jobs. Christians have been sued like you wouldn't believe. And their only crime is, I don't agree with this lifestyle. They're not hurting anybody. They're not spreading hate. They're not trying to start a campaign. They're just trying to live their lives out in a, in a secular environment that supposedly, by its constitution and our Charter of Rights and Freedoms here in Canada, allows us to practice our faith the way we want to, with freedom. And, and not be, have to be afraid about being sued or bankrupt or, or thrown in jail. I, it's absolutely amazing. I mean... When Christians, when the, when the sanctioning of same-sex marriage took place, okay, Christians, were, when same-sex marriage was first sanctioned, and people, you know, said, no, I disagree with it. There was all sorts of horrible things going on. But there's been no acknowledgement of that persecution of followers of Christ in North America at all, not from secular media, none whatsoever. In fact, we get ridiculed. We get called bigots and hateful and everything, and it's our people that are losing their jobs and having to shut down businesses because they're simply wanting to carry out their Christian faith. The good examples are printers, like uh, uh, here in Canada in the States, where you know a a gay couple wants to get married, and the guy says, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't believe in that. And he gets sued. Even printers will provide all sorts of names of printers and sources for people to get their, you know, the materials uh, printed up. So there's no discrimination whatsoever. Christians have been known that own these print shops and bake shops, you know, the whole thing, you know, bake a wedding cake. Well, I won't do that because I don't believe in that. 
And these Christian bakeries supply these couples, these same-sex couples, all sorts of alternatives. You know, I can't, but this bakery, that's not enough. It's not enough because this is not about rights. This is about bigotry and hatred towards people that simply say, I don't believe in that lifestyle. I don't agree with it. And the hatred and the bigotry and the persecution of those that follow Christ, you know, uh, because of this, that's not being reported. It's not even acknowledged. It's open season on us. We're, you know, to a great degree, and I'm going to get in trouble for this. Somebody's going to get mad at me because, you know, whenever you bring up World War II Germany and Nazis, oh, that's extreme. But really, it's open season on us. We're, we're very much like the Jews in Germany in the late 20s and the early 30s before, you know, Hitler had ultimate power. Okay? Public media, academia, I mean, too many in government are conditioning culture to believe that we deserve it. People that follow Christ that don't agree with something that we call, we believe, sexual perversion, we're, we're, the conditioning is going on that when we start losing our jobs and we can't do business anymore, okay, the, uh, the culture is being prepared. The, the propaganda and the way they present the news is presenting us as these hateful, horrible people that are racist and homophobic and everything else. For the sake of compromising free speech and free rights, okay, and, and uh, let's this more of this fascist rhetoric here. This is right out of the Ottawa Sun. The guidance, an attempt to deliver on President Trump's pledge to his evangelical and other religious supporters effectively lifts a burden from religious objectors to prove that their beliefs about marriage or other topics are sincerely held. Oh, my goodness. I, I got to prove my religious convictions are sincere? Did you catch that rhetoric there? The guidance and attempt to deliver on, on, on President Trump's pledge to his evangelical and other religious supporters, they kind of paint the, uh, you know, the, the, the picture that this is just a bunch of extremists that's pushing this. They're a bunch of hateful racists and everything, okay? It, affects, it effectively lifts the burden from religious objectors to prove that their beliefs about marriage or other topics are sincerely held. In other words, if you can't prove that you're sincere in your religious beliefs, you're going to get sued. You're going to lose your job. I have to prove, I have to prove that my religious beliefs are sincere. And who's the one that decides that? I mean, these people are allowed to promote blatantly unscientific views of gender that, that violate scientific biology, and you can't even criticize their views. If you do, you're labeled as hateful. You can have the science to back it up. And you're labeled hateful. And I have to and, and they're telling me, they're telling me that I have to prove that what I believe is 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 sincere. How do you measure that? Did you ever hear such rhetoric aimed at the LGBTQ gang? Hey, listen, prove your sincerity. Prove that, you know, what you're engaging in. Are you kidding? I mean, what, what utter subjective BS? It's incredible. What is, okay, let me use this as an example. What is sincere? Tell me what's sincere about the Ontario Bar Association barring law graduate, graduates from Trinity Western Law School from practicing law because of their Christian convictions on morality. What is sincere about that? There's no uh, stipulations on the Ontario Bar Association that says, you know what, you're, you're being hateful and bigoted about these people just because they have religious convictions. Prove to us that your reasoning behind that is sincere. You don't hear that, do you? 
You know why? Because this attack on on particularly Judeo-Christian belief is blatant hatred and bigotry. And many of the at the core of this hate Christ movement, I'll call it a program, they would love to have us they would love to have us rounded up and executed. Some of their more extreme elements at their core, they've even written about such possibilities. And it's a common thread through history, okay? I mean, real followers of Christ are always a threat, always a threat to the establishment. You know why? Because we believe somebody's more authoritative than they are. You see, when you don't believe in God and you cancel God out from every equation, you are the ultimate authority. You decide everything. In fact, you take the place of God. Well, that's not never going to happen with people who, who follow Christ. And there's all kinds of examples of this. In just, you know, today's news, okay? And I'm going to go through tonight, and I've got a number of examples of how all this stuff that labels people that follow Christ as hatred, hateful and bigoted, it is pure hate against those that follow Christ. It is pure bigotry. Blind, airhead, and everybody's falling for it because the, the, the masses don't seem to care what's going on here. And I fear it's going to get worse before it gets better. Although in the States, in the States, there seems to be a bit of pushback. Because they're always quicker to stand up for what, you know, what real rights are than, you know, Canadians. I mean, Canadians, we, we look at the leaders we elect. They spend billions. They spend billions and are never accounted for, you know. And we never do anything about it. I'm getting political. Forgive me for it. I'm going to try and stick to the faith side of it. And really, my purpose of going down this road tonight is if you are a follower of Christ, okay, I'm telling you right now, I can't see, I can't see persecution of the church, institutionalized persecution of people who follow Christ in a very hateful way. I cannot see it stemming in Canada. It's going to get worse. You need to be spiritually prepared for it. There's going to be more. All the stuff is working tonight. It seems like it seems like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a decent uh, a decent show tonight. So stay with us. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Open line, open topic. All eleven, all the way to eleven o'clock. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. JC at latenightcouncil.com is. The email address, you can tweet at me at JW Council. Our word from our sponsor. And you know what? It's Thanksgiving. I'm going to play a thank you song to take a break. It's a lot better than commercials, okay? Except for the one you're going to hear from our sponsor because, you know, if, I, if they weren't there, I wouldn't be here. Right back after uh, I suck some free air and you get a little more educated. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist. 613-835-2600.
That's an oldie but a goodie. You're old enough to remember that tune. You, you know, you're probably going to enjoy this show. I, everybody's going to enjoy this show. Of course, you already know that or else you would have been tuned in. Welcome back. It's Late Night Council. 343-743-90 if you want to get in on this. That's 343-743-90. If you're calling long distance across North America, one 4766 That's 1-844-562-4766. I just love the, un- the, the online feel of this because it's so underground. It's so subversive, you know. And and I really I really I mean the, the heat is being turned up on 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 sincere followers of Jesus Christ more and more in North America more and more. And uh, it, it's quickly becoming Babylon. Did a whole series on that thriving in Babylon about a year ago. May do it again. And there's some blatant examples of just you know painting the picture of anybody who doesn't accept perversion or blatant murder. As socially acceptable. You know, you're labeled as hateful. Here's more examples of this, like, institutionalized, insidious hatred of all of all things, you know, Christ-honoring. Okay? It's in the news today. No more official proclamation for anti-abortion march in Ottawa. Oh, thank God for that, eh? This is local, but, you know, you people that are listening outside of the capital region here, you know this kind of stuff is going on in your backyard as well. Abortion opponents will no longer get an official proclamation from the office of Mayor Jim Watson to mark their annual march to the streets of Ottawa. The right to life proclamations, as of now, will no longer be permitted, Watson said on Friday, a day after the city announced changes to its flag-raising policy. Remember that? Somebody got away with raising the right-to-life flag? This is rank hypocrisy, and it needs to be exposed for what it is. John, I thought you are taking a biblical perspective on everything. Yeah, look up Ephesians 5.11. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And this is rank hatred and hypocrisy masquerading as some type of compassionate rights thing. These people promote themselves as champions of free speech unless it's speech that they disagree with. Oh, yeah, free speech, boy, we don't want to, we don't want to violate anybody's rights. Unless, of course, you, have to be a, you, ha- you happen to be a follower of Christ and you believe, you know, that, that uh, uh, a baby's in a mother's womb, that person has rights too, you don't get free speech. Free speech is only for people that agree with our, you know, what do we call it? Fascist left wing propaganda, no anti god bigotry hate hate filled uh, uh, propaganda. Let's call it what it is. It's left wing Christian hatred, Christian hating. That's what it is. Please, you don't agree? C- call in. I want to hear from you. You think I got it wrong? I'm all ears. Here's Watson. It's clear we're not to engage in political or religious proclamations. Oh, really? So from now on, there won't be a proclamation to support Right to Life Day or month or whatever it was. Yeah, rescuing babies from dismemberment and and murder isn't a good work. Right? Right, Jim? What, What diabolical Orwellian newspeak? The city... 
could have simply stopped making all proclamations, but Watson, listen to this, but Watson said there's value in proclamation because they promote good work done by many organizations. So you mean to tell me that trying to prevent babies from being dismembered and butchered, that's not good work? Yeah, you're all about free speech. If it agrees with your warped, perverted political values, Mr. Watson... It blows me away. This needs to be exposed for what it is. Free speech and rights, yeah, only for people that, you know, are on our side. Only people that follow philosophies that we promote. Because if they don't agree with us, they don't have free speech. Are you kidding? We'll slap them in prison. In fact, we'd like to have them rounded up and put in camps with barbed wire around the fences. According to changes in the new policy, flags will... Ray be raised for groups and organizations whose mandates, programs, or activities are directly related to, related to the city of Ottawa through a funding agreement, or when flag raising would correspond with relevant days of awareness, celebration, importance of commemoration, or promotion as listen to this as recognized by the Ontario provincial government and or Canadian federal government or a ministry or department thereof. Translation, we only promote causes that fit our left-wing Christian-hating propaganda. And if you come from any position other than what we are forcing on our young people, what we only allow on media, and what we carefully scrutinize, unless you fall in line with our fascist, hate, Christ-hating propaganda, you will not have a voice. You do not have free speech. I haven't gone down this road in a while, Okay. The Bible says love God and hate evil. This is pure evil. When people promote themselves as being open-hearted, tolerant, and, you know, all about freedom of rights, it is BS. It is only tolerance for people that they agree with. It is only free speech for people that they agree with. And everybody else, we will sue you and we'll, we'll get you thrown in prison. In fact, we're working on legislation where we can throw you in prison. And all we do is simply disagree with their philosophy. How's that for freedom? Yasser Nakfi. He's the. He's, do you know he's now the Attorney General? Oh, he's been a rising star in this uh, in this uh, uh, cadre of uh, hypocrites. Yasser Nakfi is pushing safe zones. It's been all over the news in the last week. He's pushing safe zones, safe zones around abortion slaughterhouses or abortuaries, as some people call them. Okay. How warped is that? I'll tell you how warped it is. Linda Gibbons, a grandmother, her only crime is trying to bring attention to how little babies are being are being slaughtered in, in, in Canada. And many of them, many of them have been born alive outside of the womb. In fact, there's been at least 400 in Canada in the last 10 years. Born alive, left to die, or murdered after they catch their first breath. No charges pressed, okay? Linda Gibbons has spent... 12 years in prison, and her only crime is exercising freedom of speech to tell people the truth about what's going on. Benjamin Levin, however, Benjamin Levin, the architect of of the uh, 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 sex ed curriculum that has been forced upon every child in Ontario through the public school system, Kathleen Wynne's right-hand man when she was the Minister of Education, Benjamin Levin, Convicted pedophile 
convicted child pornographer. When he gets out of prison, think of this. This is how warped our culture has become. When Benjamin Levin gets out of prison for child pornography and for being a convicted pedophile, Linda Gibbons will have spent four times as much time in jail as a pedophile in Ontario, as a child pornographer, as a guy who was as high up as you could get in the Ontario government without being elected. That's where their priorities are. And your neighbors and our peop- the people that we work with keep voting these people in. You want to know what the biblical perspective on this is? I'll tell you this. We deserve the judgment of God for such heinous hypocrisy and diabolical evil. I mean, if that doesn't tick you off, what does? If you're a follower of Christ, I mean, even Romans says, be angry and sin not. I'm quoting from an article here from Andre Marin, who calls himself the ombudsman in the Ottawa Sun. It has been long rumored that Nackvi has his eyes on Premier Kathleen Wynne's job, so nothing is beneath him. He's a known showboater and a poser. So it was difficult to watch Nackvi shed crocodile tears about the story of a woman being spat on near a clinic and hear him say he had to protect these women. Nackvi maintained protecting women's right to choose is our number one job. Shed a tear. Babies being butchered in this province by the tens of thousands. He's not, he could care less. I mean, some of them literally do get cut in two. Rights? His number one job is the rights for people to continue doing this, butchering innocent lives. Oh, John, you're being judgmental. You know what? I think God has a... Let me push it even further. And this is opinion, okay? I'm expressing opinion now. I think God's got a special place in hell for uh, uh, Henry Morgan Tyler. And everything I hear coming out of Yasser Yasser Nackby's voice, coming out of his mouth, I think God's got a special place in hell for him too. Oh, is that judgmental? You argue with Jesus. Jesus is the one that said, you know, better to have a a, a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the sea than causing one of these little ones who believes in me to to, to, to sin. I mean... We deserve judgment. We are no different than the Old Testament pagans that, that worshipped Moloch and Ashtoreth and Baal, and they sacrificed their children in the fire. I mean, that's what, that's what caused God to bring Israel into, into uh, Canaan and pronounce judgment and obliterate entire cultures. They would sacrifice their children to their gods so, you know, they believed they would have more prosperity and better crops and they'd be richer. Almost the identical reason most abortions take place. Oh, you know, this is just going to affect, you know, my, my lifestyle. This is just not convenient. I can't afford it. And they mean you peddled the lie that, oh, you can't afford to bring a child into the world. Great. So what's the option? Kill it? That's how hardened we've got at this. Tell me what the difference is. Tell me what the difference is of Old Testament, them sacrificing their kids to their gods, than you know, what we've been doing in this culture for 40, 50 years now. I really believe, and if you disagree with me and you think I'm being too hard, then you call in and let's have it out here tonight. I really believe that the judgment of God is coming on North America and Western culture. And I'm of the personal belief, this is not Bible, this is not the biblical perspective, but it's coming from a guy who knows how God deals with nations that try to fool people into thinking that they're sophisticated and they're compassionate. They're anything but. 
I think judgment is coming on Western culture. And I, you know what? I think God's going to use radical Islam to carry it out. I do. That's a robust culture, boy. They know what they believe. Oh, yeah, well, they, they put women down. And, you know, they make them wear veils. And, and, and uh, you know, they kill homosexuals. You know what they don't do? The abortion rate in Islamic-led countries is almost zero. And we think we're so sophisticated. We think we're so much more civilized. We think we're so much more progressive. We killed babies by the millions in Western culture. I'll tell you somebody who's not fooled by our hypocrisy, God. He is not fooled. Now you contrast... Contrast the attorney attorney general of Ontario, Yasser Nakvi, contrast him with what's going on in the States. Okay? Here's the attorney general, the American attorney general. Yasser Nakvi, number one job to make sure that women, you know, and, and the doctors and their cohorts can keep killing babies. They call it, you know, rights. Oh, come on. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is instructing, listen to this, all federal agencies to ensure to the greatest extent practicable and permitted by law that the religious beliefs of people, businesses, churches, and other organizations are accommodated and not burdened by the federal government. Can you believe that, the contrast between the Attorney General in the States and the Attorney General here in Ontario of where their values are? Jim Watson talks about we're not going to promote anything unless the, you know they can prove that their religious uh, beliefs are sincere. And if they can't, well, pfft, we're coming after them. The free, this is down the States again. You're not hearing this in Canada. They don't want you to know that, you know, they don't want you to catch any idea of what real freedom is, especially the idea of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Oh, my goodness. Can't have that here in Canada. We got an agenda to promote. The free exercise clause protects not just the right to believe or the right to worship. It protects the right to perform or abstain from performing certain physical acts in accordance with one's beliefs. That means if I don't want to bake a cake for a same-sex marriage because I think it's disgusting and it violates my, my deepest religious convictions, I don't have to worry about somebody suing me. The guidance also asserts that the free exercise clause not only protects people, it also protects the religious freedom rights of businesses, for-profit corporations, religious organizations, schools, private associations, churches and denominations. The guidance also stresses that individuals and organizations don't give up their rights to religious liberty protections under the law simply because their employment status or their affiliation with any level of government. This isn't just for secular, this is for government as well. Although the application of the relevant protections may differ in certain con- different contexts, individuals and organizations do not give up their religious liberty protections by providing or receiving social services, education, or health care, by seeking to earn a living, by employing others to do the same, by receiving government grants or contracts, or by otherwise interacting with federal, state, or local governments. Additionally, the guidance instructs agencies not to second-guess the reasonableness of religious belief. That's exactly the opposite of what uh, uh, Jim Watson just declared. Jim Watson says, unless you can prove the sincerity of your religious beliefs, okay, and even then it's not going to get you anywhere, but if you can't prove the sincerity of your religious beliefs, we're not even going to acknowledge you. The Attorney General in the state says... 
that the guidance instructs agencies not to second-guess the reasonableness of religious belief. In other words, Jim Watson would be breaking the law here under legislation that they're, you know, they're bringing in, in the states. I, it's like night and day. It is like night and day when you compare religious free, freedoms and, and speech, American in the states right now. It's clear, Jim Watson, I'm, cl- I'm quoting here, it's clear we're not to engage in political or religious proclamations. For, so from now on, there won't be any, there won't be a proclamation to support Right to Life Day Month where, or whatever it was. Because that's religious. Well, that would be against the law in the states. Because you're going against somebody's religious uh, liberties and religious freedoms. Because they, they understand what real freedom is there. You know, they haven't, they haven't drunk the Kool-Aid as much. You know, the, 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 the fascist, hateful, bigoted Kool-Aid, okay? Down in the states like we have here in Canada. One is, see, the difference is, one is promoting true freedom, Okay? One is promoting true freedom of thought and speech and religion. The other is bigoted. It's, it's, it's anti-Judeo-Christian hatred disguised as pompous so-called tolerance. It's anything but. So you're not getting this news up here in Canada. Forget it, boy. CBC, CTV, Global, they make sure, you know, Toronto Star, Ottawa says, and they make sure that this stuff gets filtered out. They don't want you getting any ideas what real freedom is about. Religious adherents will often be required to draw lines in the application of their religious beliefs. And government is, listen to this, listen to this, okay? This is coming from the story in the states here that that are legislating, uh, enshrining, you know, true freedom of religion down there. Religious adherents will often be required to draw lines in the application of their religious beliefs. And government, listen, government is not competent to assess the reasonableness of such lines drawn, nor would it be appropriate for government to do so. Jim Watson, Jim Watson has just declared, you know, that uh, uh, you've got to prove the sincerity of your religious belief. And the Americans are saying, we're not competent to do that. And it's not appropriate for us to do that. Why? Because they understand the concept of freedom there adding that the federal government may not force employers to be complicit in violating an organization's religious pre- uh, precepts. Wow. My goodness. Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, commenting on this down in the States. Under the Obama administration, agencies lost the understanding that religious freedoms extend to the public square. Not just one's place of worship. You see, here in Canada, oh, yeah, you worship whatever you want, but keep it in the church. You try to bring that outside, we'll nail you. What kind of freedom is that? How am I, how am I free to live out my Christian faith if I can't be a Christian when I'm out of my church? Under the Obama administration, agencies lost the understanding that religious freedoms extend to the public square, not just one's place of worship. As a result... Our own government began threatening hardworking patriotic Americans with crushing fines for simply seeking to live their lives according to their faith. Well, we can't have any of that in Canada. Don't let anybody find out about that in Canada. No way, boy. Wouldn't want that kind of understanding of freedom to spread. You know why? Because it exposes the the so-called progressive tolerant agenda for the hateful bigotry that it is that's exactly what it is 
You don't think so? Please give me a call. Tell me what your side is. You disagree. Oh, listen, I want to hear from you. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. That's 343-700-4390. is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. I've had people get mad at me because, John, why don't you talk more about the love of God, you know, on, on Ask the Pastor. You know, I, I do. I would love to more. But when you've got a house burning and there's innocent lives that are being lied to and deceived, and when you have a culture where we've got social problems that are just getting worse and worse and worse, and these are the type of solutions... It's time to yell fire. And I can spend the rest of the show building a very, very powerful case on how if you're going to follow Christ, you are going to have to encounter evil. We love our enemies. We pray for those who despitefully use us. But the Bible says throughout it, you've got to hate evil. And this is pure evil. And it needs to be exposed for what it is. Nobody, no, I don't know of anybody in secular media that's exposing this so-called tolerance and so-called progressive and, and forgive me for getting political, but it's on the left-wing side. And I know there's just as much hypocrisy, hypocrisy on the right-wing side. But when it, comes to, when it comes to them parading around as if they're, you know, they're tolerant and they're about protecting people's rights and they're about free speech, that, that, is, a, that is a truckload of the worst refuse I could imagine. They're all about free speech and tolerance unless you disagree with them. Oh, my goodness. Especially if you're coming from a Judeo-Christian perspective, you are a target. And the sooner we can make your faith and everything you talk about and that Bible you carry, as soon as, the sooner we can make that illegal, the better. And that's at the core of it. Please, give me the other side. You know what I'm going to talk about when I come back? I, and I'm in, a, I'm in a kind of a pro-American um standpoint tonight because you know the thing i love about americans and look at we could spend all night dissing them and, and 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 talking about you know how whacked out they are but boy you better have the goods because they're going to hold you on to account and i love the pushback against against uh, uh media force feeding us a culture that is anything but tolerant that is anything but open-minded. That is anything to do with freedom. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about a program that's going on in the schools in the States that I think if, if we tried it here in Canada, and I'm throwing it out as a challenge, okay, that somebody needs to start this in Canada if it hasn't already started, okay? A movement, a movement that, oh, boy, it's going to tick off people in the education system that hate God. And in the states, they can't do a thing about it. And the so-called rights groups, the so-called, you know, uh, uh, whack jobs that promote themselves as being open and for free speech and all about rights, uh, you know, the, the ones that probably have more hatred than anybody, any other groups put together, they're going ballistic over this program that had, oh, 8,000 kids in schools produ- uh, 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 participating in 2014. In 2015, there were 55,000 kids in schools all across uh, the states. Last year, uh, 356,000, and they're pretty sure that when they engage in what they're going to be doing, on th- oh, it's radical. You won't believe it when, you know, when I tell you about it. It's really, really radical, okay? 
They're believing that, and they're hoping, and it looks like they're going to have at least a half a million kids participating, maybe even a million on Thursday. Media, secular media won't cover it because, oh, it just, it just exposes them for the, the hateful bigots that they are. I'm going to tell you about it when we get back. And I throw the challenge out to everybody listening. This needs to happen in Canada. Just for the sake of shaking up people that, you know, think they rule us. And are so pompously smug about, you know, the the philosophy that they promote that's so wonderful. And yet it's so filled with hate. Not on my watch. This is Late Night Council. And I'm going to play a tune too, okay? One that you've heard a long time ago, but it's uh, right after our commercial break. Stay with us. It's going to be a good show. EMM Group is the authorized Integrospec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integrospec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integrospec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
you are free and you have pride. As long as you stay on your own side. Free to be anything you choose. Free to wear devils and shine shoes. Everywhere crime in America. Ha! Organized crime in America. Ha! Terrible time in America. You forget I'm in America. Thanksgiving. When was the last time you heard that tune? Have you ever heard that tune? Oh, you haven't heard that tune? When was the last time you heard that tune, America? It's from from the Broadway production of West Side Story, and I think it won the Oscar for Best Movie in 1961. I think I was like 11 years old the first time I ever saw that on TV. It would have been in the early 70s. And I think a number of my people, my and a number of my buddies in my in my grade, like uh, seven or eight class in, in high school in Montreal, because in Montreal they started high school in grade seven, grade eight. We're all singing that tune. That's a great tune. You ever seen the movie production of, of West Side Story? Well, they're dancing and singing and everything. I'm not really into show tunes. I'm more of a rock and roll guy. But man, that's a great tune. Well, when it comes to freedom of religion and freedom of speech. They sure got a handle on what the what it really is in the states more than we do in Canada, and it's a shame. What we call freedom here in Canada, anything but. And it is it is getting worse, and it's it. There will be a time when I can't do this anymore. I mean, I'm operating out of a private studio here that I own, and I'm doing my own thing, and it will be against the law soon to do this. For one reason, this, and Jesus said, Jesus said, look, all men are going to hate you because of me. The kindest, most loving, most compassionate person that ever lived, they tortured him to death because he claimed to be God. Didn't matter that he healed people everywhere. 
didn't matter that the you know the dregs of society, the people that weren't in on the wealth and the power adored him and loved him and thought he was wonderful. Didn't matter they actually raised people from the dead. Uh-uh. He's a threat to people's power. And that's what people who follow Jesus Christ are. They're a threat to, to, to secular power that sees no authority but itself. Why do you think the church is illegal in North Korea? Why do you think pastors, there are thousands of pastors languishing in prisons in red China with all of their, you know, the, the, this so-called freedom that they like to, the West to pretend. And the West buys it. You know why? Because companies like Walmart and all sorts of other big corporations, you know, they're getting cheap labor over there. They're making billions of dollars and they're winking. They're not even acknowledging the gross violation of real human rights over in China. In fact, our own prime minister has gone on record at how much he admires China because of their efficiency. While thousands of pastors haven't seen their wives and kids in years. And their only crime is they believe in authority that's higher than the government. North Korea is the same way. See, when people turn their back on God, they can't stand it when somebody else, you know, believes in something or, you know, is accountable to something that's more powerful than they are. They can't imagine anybody more powerful and with more influence than them. And Jesus said so. All men are going to hate you because of me, because of that. So I kind of set you up, kind of left you hanging before the uh, you know the top of the hour about something that's going on in the states that's driving you know the the um, um, I don't even want to call these people these tolerant bigots. <laughs> you know these these freedom you know these these rights crazy hateful bigots I'll call them. The hate God crowd, which, you know, is institutionalized in just about every academic uh, institution in North America. The hate God crowd, they rule the media. And all their, just about all of their representatives, you know, are, are in power at every, you know, provincial, federal, and civic level here in Canada. Almost as much as in the states, but there, there seems to be a delightful pushback with something that's going on this Thursday in the states. And please... If anybody within the sound of my voice, I'm hoping that I'm planting seeds here. I'm hoping people are going to get the vision of this and going to say, you know what? We need to do this in Canada just to tick off the hate God crowd. You know what they're doing on Thursday? This is the one, two, this is the fourth year they've done it. This is great. It's for schools all across North America, all just the states. Okay, hasn't come to Canada yet that I know of. If it has, please, somebody call me, let me know or email me. Bring your Bible to school day. How do you like that? Bring your Bible to school day. Is this Thursday? <laughs> and the authorities can't do a thing about it. You know why? Because it's the kids. It's the kids' choice to do it. Now, if this happened in Canada, you know, I could see Bibles being taken away from kids. And nobody getting criticized for that. But in the States, uh-uh. Focus on the family president, Jim Daly, explained that while in 2014 about 8,000 students participated, and by 2015 the number had increased to 155,000. Daly also told Christian Reporter last year that religious freedom is a key a- a component of Bring Your Bible to School Day, calling the observance a nationwide religious freedom initiative from students from kindergarten to college. Last year was 356,000, Okay. They will easily break a half a million. They might even have a million kids doing that this this year. 
Can you imagine how you'd be vilified and attacked by our bigoted institutions here in Canada if you succeeded at such a thing, suggested such a thing? Come on, somebody out there do it. Somebody start rattling some cages. Got any zealous youth pastors out there? Or pastors out there or religious leaders, you know, like Christian leaders that aren't afraid to take a stand for Jesus Christ? Remember what our Lord said. You know, if you're ashamed of me and my word, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesus said that. I'm just waiting for somebody to take up the challenge here in Canada. I remember, and some of you might remember, something we did do, and I wish this idea would have come up. Of course, it was, you know, uh, the schools and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cultural uh, and secular institutions in Canada weren't as filled with such hate and bigotry when I was a, a youth pastor. But every year we'd do something called See You at the Pole. Remember See You at the Pole? Might even still be doing it. At the beginning of the year, Christians, parents, teachers, kids would gather at each school's flagpole. And they'd circle the flagpole, usually about 8.30 in the morning before classes started on the first day of the year, and they'd join hands and they'd pray. They'd pray to God and ask God for mercy and ask God to guide and ask God, you know, that his presence would be known in the school. This is not during teaching hours. It's not interfering with anything. And, oh, there were people that were upset with it. This is even better. This, to me, is way more subversive. This means, you know... What kind of hateful bigot are you if you're not going to let a kid bring a Bible to school? And I know for a fact that there are factions within federal and provincial government that want to outlaw the Bible as hate speech. Because it disagrees with, you know, their philosophy and their lifestyle. Simply disagrees. Teddy Roosevelt could say without fear of contradiction when he was the president. A thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. A U.S. president said that. A thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. You don't have anybody in secular academic institutions that are repeating that quote. The revising of history is almost complete. Well, it is complete pretty much in Canada. In more recent times, Ronald Reagan said, of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people, none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. Oh, we can't have a president saying that. And these guys get painted as racist. They get painted as, you know, hateful. They're simply exercising their religious faith. See, these are not your, like, uh, CEO Christians, you know, Christmas and Easter only. Nah. No, no, they actually believe it. They actually live it. Now, for those of you that want to take up the challenge and you're thinking, yeah, maybe we should do that in Canada. Maybe that'd be fun to do. And apparently in the States, the kids that, you know, their their followers are correct, they're loving this. They think it's great. You can go to bringyourbible.org. Bringyourbible.org. In fact, while I'm talking... I'm going to my other computer here that, uh, you know, I get the emails on. You can uh, you can send me an email at uh, jc at latenightcouncil.com if you're not the calling type. Or if you want to tweet at me at jwcouncil, feel free. There it is. Bring your Bible to school day. Oh, it was last Thursday. It was October 5th. Hey, 
never a wrong time to bring your bike. We're just getting started here in Canada. So I haven't heard the numbers of how many people participated. If anybody's got the numbers of how many participated with Bring Your Bible to School Day last Thursday in the States, I want to hear about it. Because last year it was 356,000. I want to know if they hit a million this year. I'm all ears. But don't you think that don't you think that'd be fun to pull that off in Canada? Don't you think that yeah, yeah, that that's that's an idea. What are they gonna do? In fact, I would dare some, you know, overzealous um, perversion promoting principal in the Ontario school system to take a Bible away from a kid and say that's inappropriate here. I'm sure the news media would promote it as, you know, anti LGBTQ hatred or whatever, you know. Just like, you know, the, the enshrinement of religious freedoms and, you know, allowing people to practice their faith in the secular arena that the Attorney General of the United States is promoting, that story is being promoted as an attack on LGBTQ rights. Who cares about the rights of, the, of, of Christians? Who cares about people to follow Christ? They don't even exist. In fact, the sooner we can stamp them out, the better. That's at the core of the other side which is all about rights. It's all about freedom, all about, you know, hearing everybody out and being tolerant, unless you disagree with them. If you disagree with them, forget it. You're done. And the sooner we can throw your butt in jail, the better. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. It's open line, open topic, whatever you want to talk about tonight. I'm always getting out, you know, what I want to talk about. Things are ticking me off. Things that I'm rejoicing about. Bring your Bible to school day. Man, that's something to rejoice about. I like that, man. Come on. Somebody's got to uh, carry the ball on this in Canada. 343-700-4390 in the capital region. 1-844-562-4766. He's long distance right across North America. 1-844-562-4766. JC at Late Night Council. Dot com is the email address. JC at Late Night Council. Dot com. You can tweet at me. At JW Council, I'm going to take a short commercial break. It's going to be a short commercial break now, okay? And uh, you're going to hear from our sponsor. And then, you know, sticking with the, sticking with the, you know, the Thanksgiving type theme, I think I got another tune warming up in the bullpen for you, okay? In fact, the title, let's see if you can guess what it is before I play it. The title of the tune is simply... Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, by one of the biggest bands in history. And and for all of you churchy types, don't get nervous, okay? You're not going to... You know, there's, no, there's no bad lyrics that's going to condemn anybody to hell here. Just enjoy the tune, okay? This is Late Night Council. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integrospec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integrospec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integrospec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
of shine I would still be loving you When mountains crumble to the sea There will still be you and me Today my world, it smiles Your hand in mine, we walk the miles Thanks to you, it will be dark For you to me, I'm the only The sun refused to shine I would still be loving you Mountains crumble to the sea Led Zeppelin. 
I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. Yeah, yeah. call in, you know, if you want to give me a hard time over it. I went through the lyrics of that tune. It's called Thank You. That could be a hymn. If you substitute, the, like, the woman that Robert Plant is singing to for Christ, it could be a hymn. If the sun refused to shine, I'd still be loving you. It's called Thank You. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back. 343-700-4390. Hey, come on. I'm paying for the, you know, the toll-free lines here. You know, like, uh, take advantage of it. Unless you want to just listen to me. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of flattering, but, you know, I would like to listen to you. But uh, don't call in just for the sake of calling. Please, please do not call in unless you have something to say. That's the cardinal rule of late-night counsel. 343-700-4390 in Ottawa. That's 343-700-4390 for the entire capital region. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four toll free. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. JC at latenightcouncil.com. I do have an e- uh, airworthy email. I'm going to get to in a second. JC at latenightcouncil.com. You can tweet at me at JW Council. Haven't had a tweet in a long time. That's been airworthy. I mean, I get tweets like often while I'm on air. But none of them are airworthy, you know. This one is. It's from Mike, show contributor, fix-it-all, jack-of-all-trades. To a great degree, if it wasn't for Mike, I don't know if we'd even be on the air. Kind of more than just a listener, kind of a partner in, you know, the, the, the revolution we're trying to start here. The left goes crazy when guns are used by a psycho to kill a few. Yet they go out of their way to promote the murder of millions with a scalpel in a doctor's office, and they audaciously call that health care and freedom. They promote a lie that cops across America have declared war on blacks, even though the highest cause for black deaths in America is actually abortion. Thank you, Mike, for that little bit of common sense. You know, I got to stop using that term common sense, okay? Common sense doesn't count anymore. Because common sense is what is sensible to, you know, most people. Well, most people look at the leaders that they elect. Most people listen to the music that they listen to. Most people look at the movies, you know, that are popular. Look at the, you know, look at the, the, the values and the priorities that they have. We have the leaders, we have the deceptive con artist leaders. You know, that are filled with hatred and bigotry with anything that they disagree with while, you know, while able to fool people into thinking that they're open-minded, okay? That's where common sense is, okay? So i got to stop using that term, common sense. It would be more appropriate for me to say to Mike, Mike, you brought some wisdom to the program, some proven truth, and a rich understanding of what's really, really going on. And at the same time, I think he exposed some hypocrisy, too. Who did Jesus save his most cutting words for? The religious crowd. The bunch that were promoting, you know, uh, uh, a religious lifestyle and, 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 you know, were nothing but hypocrites. He called them a brood of vipers. Called them whitewashed graves that look good on the outside, you know, nice and white, and, but inside they're dead bones. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Saw this on one of the websites, and I'm sure that uh, you know people 
read this and thought, uh, wow, that's really cool, man. Of course, this is from uh, the fake news, you know, the news that is uh, wanting to promote a certain philosophy and wanting you to think that, you know, people that follow Christ and uh, this whole uh, hatred for everything Judeo-Christian, they can't get enough of stories like this. Holy spirits, church breweries rise up. And the insidious, you know, underlying message here is, you know, church buildings are, are good for nothing except maybe, you know, bingo halls or, well, breweries. Youngstone, Ohio, Ira Gerhardt finally found a place last year to fulfill his years-long dream of opening a brewery. A 1923 Presbyterian church. It was cheap, charming, and just blocks from downtown Youngstown. But soon after Gerhardt announced his plans, residents and a minister at a Baptist church a block away complained about alcohol being served in a former house of worship. I get it, you know, just the idea of putting a bar in God's house, Gerhardt said. If we didn't choose to do this, most likely it'd fall down or get torn down. I told them we're not going to be a rowdy college bar. At least 10 new breweries have opened in old churches across the country since 2011, and at least four more are slated to open in the next year. Folks, Christianity, the real thing, Christianity is not dying. Empty religious forms are dying. Groups that have abandoned the Bible are dying. Groups that are compromising what the Bible teaches for something that they think is going to be more relevant. Those churches are dying and closing up by the thousands it's wonderful and horrible at the same time. You know? It's horrible that, you know, church groups have abandoned the simple gospel message, you know, for, oh, I don't know, wealth, maybe form, ritual, tradition, you know? Jesus had some pretty barbed things to say about tradition, too. These people that think, you know, that tradition is uh, is something that needs to be upheld, you know, not not for the sake of compromising scripture. I'm sorry. Just doesn't work. Let me give you what the word says, okay? In Matthew, and I'm not quoting this out of context. You can look it up yourself. Matthew 15, 6. This is the words of Jesus. He, and he's, 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 he's carving up uh, 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 the Pharisees here. And what are the Pharisees? It wasn't just a group of, you know, uh, uh, very popular religious leaders in Israel at the time. The Pharisees stand for anybody that has, you know, uh, have a, that has a form of godliness, but, you know, there's no love there. It's just empty ritual. It's just empty tradition. And he says to them in Matthew 15, 6, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And that's exactly what he did. And there's been Christian groups, Christian groups that have been doing that for 2,000 years. Elevating their tradition above the authority of the Bible. When you stray from the Bible, it's the Word of God, okay? Your tradition, your religious tradition is not the Word of God. It doesn't hold the same place. And that's why, and that's where you see churches closing up and nobody wanting to be in them anymore because the vitality, the power of the Word of God is missing. Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. That's why he describes himself as the living word. 
Look what 2 Timothy 3 says. Whoa, it's even more scathing. It's pretty powerful. Describes this, this, these religious people, okay, that have abandoned the Bible, that have abandoned truth and the vitality of it for something, you know, more relevant, something more compromising. Describes them as having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then Paul writes to Timothy and to the church, have nothing to do with such people. And it describes them as always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Have you got that? Always learning but never able to come to the truth. I remember my dad. My dad was a preacher. My dad pastored in Owen Sound. And uh, we lived in the church manse, or, you know, the parsonage. And right across the street from our uh, little church was this great big traditional denominational church, you know? I think it was a Presbyterian church. It was Presbyterian or Anglican or whatever. It was a big, beautiful building. And, you know, like these big, beautiful buildings, they're all over Canada. They're everywhere, okay? And my dad had this really cool habit. And I don't live, uh, you know, close to a lot of big, beautiful churches, but wherever he pastored, in downtown Montreal, downtown Windsor, even in St. Catharines, which isn't that much of a downtown, but he'd still take the car, park it. My dad loved to go into these big cathedrals, because most of them back in the, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, most of them they were left open all the time. And he loved going into these churches, and, and he, 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 you know, because the atmosphere was beautiful, and, and he loved praying. He loved praying. And uh, sometimes, you know, is in his habit, like he'd be, if the church was empty, he would kind of walk around while he was praying. And he was in, and what are they going to do? You know, like the pastor, the caretaker, and say, what are you doing here? I just thought I'd come in here to pray, you know. He was always greeted with respect. People, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. Even, you know, in big, beautiful cathedrals and churches where they abandoned real prayer long ago for some type of meaningless ritual thing that they go through their little like repetitive thing that Jesus taught his disciples don't repeat be repetitive in your prayers like the pagans do okay and he used to love telling the story of being in this church in Owen Sound this great big thing and uh, he was walking around and, and he'd walk around the front like while he's praying and, and in this church and, and uh, they had these rails you know at the front of the of the church they were altar rails where I guess they'd serve communion or whatever, or people would come to, well, you know, he walked down there, and the pastor happened to be in, and Jack, how are you? That's my dad's name. Not bad. He said, do you ever have anybody, you know, come to the front of these rails and give their lives to Christ anymore? Do they ever, you know, do people get, and he used the terminology, do you have people that, like, get saved here? And he used to tell the story that the pastor answered him with these words, Oh, John, Jack, that's kind of like emotional. We educate people into the kingdom of God nowadays. We educate people into the kingdom of God. And he would use the illustration, and I'm going to use it right now, interesting. Because that's not what Jesus said ushers you into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 3 and 3, unless you're born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. He told his disciples when they were disputing over who was the greatest, okay, in Matthew 18, 3. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The two verses that kind of interpret each other are John 3 and 3 and Matthew 18 and 3. Being born again and being simple enough to realize this isn't about education. This isn't about, you know, 
the light's coming on because, you know, you studied. No, this is a surrendering of your will like a little child does. A little child trusts the words of Jesus. Trust the words of the Bible that says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord, according to Acts 2.21, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what real salvation is from the words of Christ. It's a very simple message. It's very humbling. And this is why so many churches have closed down and some of them have turned into breweries and community centers and they can't even keep the lights on anymore because somewhere along the path they abandoned this beautiful, humble, simple message that Christ does not force himself any, on anyone. And when you actually accept that he really did rise from the dead and he desires to have a relationship with you and he is the only cure for sin, if we confess our mu- with our mouth the Lord Jesus, it says in the book of Romans, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and deliver us from all unrighteousness. He is the only cure. He said that. That's not a tradition. That's the words of Christ. That's the Bible. And the problem is there seems to be traditions that nullify that truth or that overcomplicate it. Or they lead people away from from how transformational that truth is. It's almost as if God says, you know, you do it my way, simple. And and he seems to suggest that. If you look in in, in 2 Chronicles uh, 7.14, where God kind of lays out a formula to get back to him when you get off the rails, you know. You know, if your faith or whatever your group is dying, there's a formula for... uh, um, for reviving there's a formula in the bible for for re, uh, you know restoration and it's a prayer that comes from solomon and solomon's praying and while he's praying he doesn't realize it but god starts speaking through solomon and he says this to his well back then it was the people of israel but the promise applies to anybody that follows god today He says, if my people who are called by my name. Now that verse is coming from the Old Testament, but it's more relevant to to, uh, Christianity than it is to Judaism. Because they were called the people of Israel back then. They weren't called by the name of God. We're called by the name of God. We're called Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. So this is far more relevant to people that, that, you know, believe that Christ is the Son of God. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... It's humbling, you know, to come to the place where you realize that you're, you don't have all the answers. That you can't save yourself from your sins. That you need a Savior. When I heard Donald Trump said that, say that you know, I don't feel I have to repent for my sins because I haven't done anything wrong. I thought, oh my God. You talk about a living example of when, you know, when Christ said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to go into heaven because they don't feel like they need anything. It's because according to this verse, if you're going to acknowledge and know the power, the delivering, saving power of Jesus Christ, you've got to come to a place where you acknowledge, okay, I am not God. I am not the center of the universe. There is somebody that's stronger, more powerful than I am, and I believe it's Christ, and I'm surrendering to him. You can only do that if you, if, that can only be done with humility. It says, if my people, okay, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
Now, it doesn't say what prayer to pray. It just says pray. Well, how do you pray? Well, why don't you just talk to him and see what happens? No complication there. They humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What does that mean? Seek my face. I've known this scripture for years. I've heard a lot of different interpretations. And the one that seems to make sense to me and the one that seems to be the most productive is when people have a hunger for the real biblical Christ, for the real deal. Don't give me hearsay. Don't give me what, you know, some hyper, you know, radio preacher has told me. I want to see you, God. I want the real deal here. People give the disciple Thomas a hard time. He's called Doubting Thomas because he's the guy that says, I'm not going to believe until I touch his side and see the scars in his hands. And Jesus goes out of his way to show Thomas, here you go, Thomas, come and touch me. The Bible doesn't record of any other disciple actually getting to touch Jesus like that. But Thomas, why? Because Jesus knew this guy wanted to believe. He expressed skepticism. He was seeking his face. Hey, don't, I don't want to, I got to know this is real. Because I'm going to stake my whole life on it if it's real, but I got to know it's real. That's what seeking his face is. There's nothing wrong with that. Thomas was so convinced that he died a martyr. Tradition says that he died a martyr. Spreading the gospel in the country of India, he was shish by a spear, run right through. That's how he died. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, isn't that an interesting line? He's talking to followers of God here. He's talking to Christians, people who say, you know, they're committed to the Bible and following Christ. He tells us, hey, turn from your wicked ways. You know, your church going and your platitudes and the stuff that you espouse to, you're not fooling me. I know what you're looking at on the Internet. Okay? I know what you're doing with your money. I know where your priorities are. And here's what blows people away. He still loves us. He still wants to have a relationship with us. He says, look, turn from your wicked ways. Seek my face. And then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. A lot of people take that verse and they go national with it. Oh, God, heal our country, you know? Like, look, it's these people that want revival and they want to transform their country in the states and Canada, some of them don't even know their neighbor's name. And Jesus was the one who said, all the law and the prophets, and this is part of the law and the prophets here, okay? This is from the Old Testament. He said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you don't have those things down pat, everything else is meaningless. And I'm assuming that, you know, if you really, really love God and you're really, really, you know, putting everything into it, asking him to help you love your neighbor as yourself, and you're engaging in that. He says he's going to forgive their sin. He's going to heal their land. What's their land? Well, your land is your place of influence, your family, your neighborhood. You know, you don't have an influence on everybody in the land, but you do have a land. And the land are the people that know who you are. And if you didn't show up for work, they would notice. You didn't show up for school, they would notice. Those people, those people. The people that you influence, the people that you rub shoulders with, he's going to heal, he can heal your land. I'll go by the formula again, okay? We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his face, we turn from our wicked ways. Well, it's hard to turn from your wicked ways. You know, I know, it's it's hard to turn from your wicked ways, but it's a lot easier when you ask Christ to help you. He'll answer that prayer. God, help me. Help me with my with my gossip. Help me with my greed. Help me with my lust. 
Help me with my laziness. Help me with my hypocrisy. You know what? You're never going to get healed unless he comes in and does the thing because he's, he's the only cure for it. He's the only cure for it. And he's the only cure to see, you know, a congregation, a life, a family revived and restored. I could keep you here all night talking, telling you stories. In our church, we have something called story time. And once a month, somebody in our church, you know, we go for breakfast on Saturday mornings, about 25, 30 of us. And somebody who's, you know, not a public speaker, but they're a follower of Christ. They get up and they tell the story about how they were lost. First time we did, a lady talked about how she had two abortions. She's addicted to drugs. She's brought up abused. Didn't care for herself, didn't care for anything. And then she heard about Christ and didn't want to hear about it because, you know, going to church was boring and any connection she'd had was just keep me away from those people. They're holier than thou and everything. But somebody, somebody who really, you know, genuinely followed Christ, who lived for Christ outside of the church, who loved people even when, you know, they didn't respond, who was kind, who was generous, became the friend of that lady, and she said, I wanted what that person has. And she told her story two months ago. I know got another buddy who was, who was raised in communist Poland. Both parents, atheists, had a grandma, grandma that was really traditional Catholic. But, you know, dad didn't want anything to do with the church because his Catholic grandmother was all, and please, this is not all Catholics, okay? So it's, don't label me with that. Because most of the Catholics I know are wonderful people, okay? A lot of them love Jesus way more than I do, and I admire them. But this Catholic lady was, you know, would remind him all the time of how bad he was and how he was going to hell because he didn't like going to church. And he, so he hated God. He didn't want anything to do with God. Raised in, in a, you know, in communist Poland as an atheist. Came over here to Canada. He was 10 years old. And uh, it not, knew nothing about God. God to him was just like an empty tradition that was meaningless. Then he started listening to this crazy political nutcase on the radio. And on Wednesday nights, this this goofy political guy, and he kind of liked his humor and kind of liked his political views. But on Wednesday night, you know, he talked about God all the time. I mean, he never listened to that because he didn't believe in God. But, you know, over the years, he's like, ah, maybe I'll check it out. You know, he listened, and he liked it, and listened to it more. And thought he'd take a chance one night because the guy that was talking on the radio was suggesting, you know what, if you don't believe, at least call on the name of the Lord. Because Acts 2.21 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. you got nothing to lose. Do it anyway. And he did. And something happened. It wasn't an instantaneous change overnight. But he realized that, you know, he was, he realized that he was an alcoholic. He realized that, you know, I got to change here. Because the more I listen to Jesus and the more I talk about him, the more I read the Bible, the more I realize how much I need his help. And over the course of a couple years, he actually kept listening to my radio show. And decided to show up at uh, the church that I pastored. And it was totally different from anything he'd ever experienced. It was kind of cool, you know. And people kind of different, but they were friendly. Let me make a long story short. That guy's now the treasurer of my church. He's the guy that handles all the finances, does all the deep bank deposits. 
I would trust him with almost anything. And he would tell you, because I heard him tell people in story time about how Christ came in and just absolutely blew him away, transformed his life. Nobody that shares in our church in story time claims perfection, but every one of them claim about the power of Jesus Christ to come in, no matter what your political background is, no matter what your view is, right wing, left wing. Listen, the bird died. Okay, the bird is dead. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's got everything to do with the only hope for the nation of Canada, the only hope for the city of Ottawa, the only hope for your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, the only hope for your dead church that's going to close up is the spirit and presence and power of Jesus Christ. He doesn't force himself on anybody. But you know what? People get caught up with things that he doesn't care about. People get caught up and they give their whole life and their devotion to things that, you know, I'm glad that the Bible included the book of Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. You know why? Because Ecclesiastes is written by a guy who has all the money, has all the women, has all the power, Everybody calls him the smartest guy in the world, okay? He's got everything this world would want. And he has turned his back on God because he's become addicted to pleasure. And the entire book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon telling everybody that life is meaningless. It's hopeless. There's nothing to it. It's a chasing after the wind. An entire book of the Bible devoted to how meaningless and empty life is. When you're not connected to your creator. When you're not functioning the way you were designed to function. We were designed to function in a relationship with our creator. He wants to have a relationship with us. It's like a train. A train is designed and manufactured and produced so that it will run on a track. And when it's on the right track, oh my goodness, it can pull it can pull loads that are a mile long. It can travel at incredibly tremendous speeds. You get in its way and you're going to be obliterated. It's a powerful, powerful force when it's functioning the way it is because that's what it was created to do. But if you take a locomotive and you dump it in a swamp and you try and make that locomotive, you know, maybe haul a net full of alligators out of a swamp, or you try to transport people, you know, through a marsh and a nature hike, it's going to sink, it's going to get stuck, it's going to get mired. In fact, if you don't have a powerful enough crane to pull it out of there, you're looking at about a million to three million dollars waste because it was never designed for that. And that's how people's lives get messed up. They're designed and created to be in relationship and to be productive and to, you know, to, to, to live life to the full like Jesus described it in John 10.10. 10. He said, I came that you might have life and you live it to the full. But when we go along our way, and there are two types of people in the world. There are people who say to God, thy will be done. And they follow him and they find out what that great will is. And then there's the other bunch whom God says to, Okay, have it your way. They want to do their own thing because they think they're smarter than God. And the trouble is, the truth isn't discovered until they're too until it's too late. You know, people like Steve McQueen, people like Evil Knievel, people like Mickey Mantle. There's three cases right there of people who came to the realization that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they needed Christ in their life. All three of those guys gave their lives to Christ in the last six months of their lives. Every one of them had terminal diseases. 
when they start thinking about eternity. And the good news is that Evil Knievel, Steve McQueen, and Mickey Mantle, the last six months of their lives were, were, were filled with joy and peace. They died happy. They died contented. They died thanking God that they finally came to what the truth is. Mickey Mantle used to joke before he came to Christ, you know, he already found out he had cancer. And he said, man, if I, was gonna, if I knew I was going to live this short a time, I would have taken better care of himself. And yet you should read some of the things that he said before he died. You see, secular media doesn't want to promote it. The sports world is not interested in Mickey Mantle's, you know, confession of Christ and his desire that everybody would come to Christ like he did. Nobody in secular media promotes that because it doesn't fit with their hate-filled agenda. It doesn't promote their bigotry, you know, at portraying people that follow Jesus Christ as racist and hateful and, you know, uh, uh, infringing on everybody else's rights. It doesn't change the truth, you know. And Jesus said you're going to know the truth, and it will be the truth that sets you free. Not what you want to hear, but the truth will set you free. Time for some music, okay? I got a real special tune that we're going to close the show out tonight, okay? In fact, I'll give you a hint. My wife and I were cleaning out the garage, and uh, the tune I'm going to close the show with tonight, she was actually singing, and she was actually dancing in the garage. My wife dancing and singing in the garage while she's cleaning it up about a week and a half ago with me. Not going to play that tune yet, but I am going to play a beloved tune from a beloved American. And you're going to know what it is as soon as you hear it. And I'll be right back in a couple minutes, okay? I'm going to lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside yeah. Down by the riverside I'm going to lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside I'm going to study study one or more I ain't gonna study one more. Gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study one more. I'm gonna study one more. Gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study one more. I'm gonna lay down my heavy load. I'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. I'm gonna study one more, one more. I ain't gonna study one more. Ain't gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study one more. Ain't gonna study one more. I ain't gonna study.
Armstrong, you know, you, you sing a beautiful hymn like that, but the guy's appetites and his dis- addictions destroyed him. He was an entertainer first. I hope he made it, you know. I hope he was able to make his peace with God. But you see so many people in the entertainment industry that, you know, they buy into this lie that, that, that fortune and fame is, you know, and partying and living for the weekend is the way to go. And they go to premature graves. The last 10 years of his life, he could hardly even sing or blow his horn. He was so weak, devastated from the effects of, you know, drugs and alcohol and the partying that he'd done for so long. And yet he could take a tune like that. Elvis Presley, another example. My goodness. The only Grammy he ever won was for his his hymns. Raised in a Pentecostal church, First Assembly of God in, in Memphis, Tennessee. But he could sing, and he was good-looking, and... He took what the devil offered him. The king of rock and roll died on a toilet, overweight, addicted. How glamorous. Got an article here from a guy by the name of Shane Pruitt. Why do some people love Jesus, but they don't like the Bible? Hmm. Let's give me a little bit of it here. I love Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. I have a deep respect for Jesus, but I don't agree with the Bible. Is it possible that we are worshiping a Plato Jesus? Meaning, the main reason we don't have an issue with Jesus is because it's a Jesus that we've created by our own imagination. We'll shape, mold, and bend him to be what we want him to be. Then the very moment that particular Plato Jesus no longer appeases us, we just roll him up and start over. We create a different Jesus, more to our liking. When we do this, we are not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible, but rather a Jesus that we've created in our own minds. The Jesus of the Bible will regularly disrupt our lives, call us to difficult things, and stand in opposition to our personal preferences. He often does the opposite of what we think he should. Let's be honest. His holiness his demand upon us to deny ourselves and his commandments to love others can get all pretty annoying in our pursuit of happiness. The Jesus of the Bible challenges our indulgences. He contests the egoistic fine art of looking out for number one. So our natural inclination is to shape Jesus into something more palatable to our personal opinions and preferences. Left to our natural devices, we don't want to be created in God's image. We want him to be created in our image. We don't want him to be the one in control. We want to be in control. We don't want him to be the potter and for us to be the clay. 
We want to be the potters, and for him to be clay in our hands. We want to shape and mold our God to care about what we care about. We want to label him as a Republican or a Democrat. We want to picture him as white, black, or brown. We want him to be passionate about what we're passionate about. We want him to be angry about what we're angry about. We think he should tolerate what we tolerate. I think Mr. Pruitt's bang on. I think he's got a pretty accurate perception of what human nature is all about, particularly when it comes to God and Jesus Christ. I think he's got the guts to admit it as well. I think somebody that, you know, that kind of sees that in himself and brings that to Christ, I think that Christ could do a lot of work in that person's life because the person's not playing games. It's not posturing, not pretending to be something that they're not. How do you know you're following the real Jesus? If you're a follower of Christ, now if you're tuning in and you're just kind of checking counsel out, you know, he's off the radio, he's online now, and you're kind of, you know, you're, I'm talking to people that follow Christ now, okay? You're serious, like you're not just a church-going person. You really believe that Jesus rose from the dead and didn't die again. And if that's true, man, that just changes everything. That that just puts his life and what he said in a totally different category than anybody who's ever walked the face of the earth. How do you know you're following the real Jesus, the real historical Jesus that actually lived, was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth? Hardly anybody knew anything about him until about like when he was like 30, and then for three years, man, he just turned Israel upside down. And then after he rose from the dead, you know, this is just so comical because the people that don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they think that the disciples dreamed this whole thing up, you know? Hey, let's start a new faith. You know, everybody will believe this blows me away that these idiots that you know think that that's what the real story is uh, please explain to me why these guys would die horrible martyr deaths willingly for a conspiracy for something they cooked up you got to be kidding me the old saying used to be uh, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church the Church of Jesus Christ was founded on people. In fact, Christ warned them. He said in Acts 1.8, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be my, the Greek word is not witnesses like we've given the English meaning of it. He said, You will be my, the Greek word is martus, where we get the word martyr from. It's more accurate to say, you will be my martyrs. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will have such courage and such bravery. You will be so, you will be so filled with my power that you won't even be afraid of death. And your deaths and your commitment to me in the face of impossible odds will be the greatest and starkest evidence that I did rise from the dead and I am alive. You see, they weren't afraid of death anymore because they followed somebody that had conquered death. How do you know you're following the real Jesus and not a God of your own making? You know, that's not a bad thing to go to bed tonight and kind of pray about. God, I really want to know you. He answers prayers like that. Let me give you a few more of the answers real quick. When you crack open the Bible, God, help me understand this. God, there's a lot of stuff in here that ticked me off. That ticks me off. Can you kind of really help me with this? He'll answer that prayer beautifully. I got a great tune I'm going to exit the show with tonight. Are you ready? I just love this, okay? This is what my wife was dancing to when we were cleaning out the garage. You're going to love it. In fact, we're running out of time. I don't know if I can fit it all in, but you're going to hear most of it anyway. 
And uh, this is, uh, I think this is the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir doing Psalm 150, okay, to music, okay? We're back at it next week at 9 o'clock, and you can email me t- before then, and you want to let me know how things are going or what's up with you, jc at late night council.com. Good night.